Hello and welcome back. We appreciate you and we appreciate your comments most of all. And those can be sent over to petsofinancial.com. Also there, we have articles and calculators and we'll be refreshing the uh, investment commandments uh, on our website. We also uh, remind people that we're out on YouTube as well. So hopefully just a lot of tools to learn from. And that kind of brings me to this whole thought process for today. And that is, we're here not to tell you what to buy, 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 and sell, sell, sell. That's really stupid. We aren't telling you to come to a seminar. Really a bad idea. We don't offer a free steak dinner to come hear people make a pitch for an equity indexed annuity or however they want to phrase it. The mistakes you make with, with Social Security or whatever it is. Those are high commission products and that's why it's worth buying a dinner to take a shot at getting people sold on something. And so we're here to teach and hopefully you have enjoyed that. I've enjoyed doing this for 35, six years on the radio now, maybe 35. Long time, long, long time. It doesn't mean we know it all. That's the part, that's the beautiful thing about this particular business. You don't and you evolve and you change. And we're having to change more and more all of the time. It is really interesting to me as we went through the investment commandments in the first hour to be thinking about all these things that have been around for decades. And yet even some of those have modified in the thought process that goes behind them. For example, you know, looking at it as, as growth and value, I don't anymore. And I, and I, and I, and I guess I want to kind of share this a little bit about what we're doing uh, asset allocation-wise, things like that, because we touched on the fact we've been more cautious. You know that from listening to the radio. We've been a little more cautious as interest rates have ticked up and the stock market continued to in, in their face. But it's not all or none. We can't act that way. But there's nothing wrong with looking for great values, areas that are, well, maybe just too much out of favor. And when you think of it, there are times where you're saying, okay, stocks are best, they really are the best, but if bonds are priced or mispriced so much, we've oftentimes shifted great quantities over to high-yield bonds. And one of our favorite funds is a high-yield, not bonds, but an income fund. They'll find all kinds of sources, from writing options to bonds to high-yield bonds to higher-yielding stocks, all that to have higher yield. And interestingly, I have used this fund for way over 30 years, actually my whole career. And so, uh, and it's been around since the 1940s. It gets in favor and out of favor like everything else because of whatever it is they're buying. But right now, their price has been kind of moderate and now it's slipping into a bargain area. And what do we do with our high income and the goes into portfolios that pay people income. That's what it's typically there for. But we've even added it into growth portfolios. Why? Because it, for, a fa for a lot less risk, we think it has market returns potential. Well, that sounds like a, a really good trade-off. So everything really is. It's like, do, do you, if you're in a growth model, do you always have to be like hyper growth? Does it always have to be tech stocks at any price, any outlook? And the answer is no, it doesn't it's okay, and it's not an all or none. It doesn't mean I sell my Apple or even any of it. 
it does mean that as dividends or cash build up, I may be allocating somewhere else. Or when the outlook of a company isn't as great, then we allocate it somewhere else. But we look at this fund, and of course it's obvious why I'm not using the name. It's not because I'm trying to keep it secret, but I don't want to give a billion disclosures, and I'm not trying to sell people on buying it. It, it has to fit in your portfolio. It's part of a portfolio. It's not a one-option thing. Okay, so let me take the off-ramp real quick on this one-option thing, okay? i got to go there. This is part of the biggest problem with all of these insurance agents running around out there selling equity indexed annuities. It's not for part of it. It's not for the safe part. It's for all of your money because they get paid 10% commission to pitch you on this. So why wouldn't they say it's all ought to go in there? Anybody that thinks all of anything is, is crazy. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And that ought to be another reason for you to pause and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why would I want to put all my money in something like that that ties it up for 10 years? All right. So we're back on the, back on the freeway. So with this fund, we are now, even in our income portfolios, switching the dividends to reinvest. Why? So these are subtle not all in, not all out things that you can do in your own portfolio. So you have income coming in. I can have one or two things that are really at bargain prices, I think have tremendous outlooks. And why wouldn't I want to compound a monthly dividend at today's prices? So let's call it for ease of numbers 10% off, okay? Because I can't even write this out on a page for you. So you have to, you have to picture it, okay? So we have dividends coming in. And let's say those dividends, if we were to reinvest a few months ago, would have gotten 10 shares, okay? Each of those shares, if I would have reinvested, would have earned a dividend every month the rest of your life. I mean, pretty cool, right? But now, because the price went down, I will get, for the same dividend, 11 shares, 10% more for free. So now I'm com compounding 10% more quickly on an income fund. So even mild price movements in the right place can be tremendously opportunistic. Tremendously opportunistic. So when we're thinking about that with your investments, there's little things you can do, little tweaks that make all the difference in the world. We'll reinvest. We don't know how long. When the price comes back up, we'll stop. Doesn't mean we sell. And if it keeps going up, we do have sell points on it. And we will trim positions. And because you're just not getting paid for the risk you're taking for the, or for the lack of risk in a fund like this, you can do much better somewhere else. So that's, that's kind of a, it's just a story with one mutual fund that we've used for a very long time. So think about that on your own portfolios and how that impacts your, compound, your ability to compound, and you think about that at various times, and in different asset classes. You don't have to be all growth. For example, you don't, if you're in a growth mode, you're not taking any income, that's where you are. Does that mean you shouldn't own dividend-paying stocks? Absolutely not. You should own some. They're great because they compound even in flat times. Okay, And that leads me to also talk about this. We talked about this in the uh, last hour. It's really true, though, uh, so I want to reiterate how important it is to understand dividends because this is a big component of income in a portfolio of your total return is dividends. 
It's a huge, huge thing. And most people don't think about it at all or misunderstand it. You take your statements, and they show in there your cost basis, for example. All the statements are the same, pretty much. doesn't matter where you have them. Oh, I have uh, X number of shares of Apple, and they're up X percent. Or I have X shares of Kinder Morgan, and I'm down 5%. Okay? But are you? No, you're not. Because what's not reflected is the income. The dividends are not reflected in that. Well, I've been reinvesting my dividends. That reflects on the cost basis side also. So the answer is it isn't in there. Okay? So it's a very misleading number and can often make people make very bad decisions about their investments. Meaning, why is that investment in here in the first place? Well, because it's there for income. I have this question all the time. I had it from a, a client just this past week. I don't really like this fund. Why do I own it? Okay? Well, you're probably not looking at it right. I just want to rip the, you know, keyboard. You know, because it's in there for a reason. Leave me alone. It's just, you know, it's just one of those things sometimes, you know, and I, I guess I guess that's one of the negative things about doing this for 40 years is sometimes you get a little bit shorter on your temperament, right? It's like, look, if, you, if, if you're going to pick apart everything in a portfolio, then you just don't understand, and, I, and it's hard. And it's also hard because guess what? It's, it, 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 I, I, they don't even live in, our, in, in the country, so it's kind of hard to communicate. It's really hard. So anyway, but this point, the point is it's in there, and, and so I get this kind of an email once in a while. And it's like that's because you're not paying attention to the fact that it distributed 15% last year. 15. Like nothing else is doing this good. So <laughs> it just, but it doesn't reflect that on the statement. And that also happens to, to, to kind of coincide with this whole thought process. Be careful what you think you know. You've you got to be careful on this. It, it, you think you know stuff that you don't. And I've had really, I mean, pretty sophisticated clients that, that really studied it, got into it, and, 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 and have a really hard time understanding dividends. They really do. Okay, so I'm going to give you another picture, maybe several today, okay? But here's another picture of why I think fundamentally we have trouble with them. It isn't, return, it isn't reflected, number one, as I point out, in the rate of return. It is when you go to other systems. Of course, all income, all withdrawals is all factored in, okay? But not in the simple math of your statement that just shows I bought this at 100, it's worth 110, I'm up 10%. I, I get it. Even if you've had uh, $100 worth of dividends, all it's going to say is 10%, okay? It's not going to say it. you doubled your money. It won't say that. And so people, A, are misled by the actual cost basis question, okay? The next point, though, is that many, many, many things in there are going to be put in there for the income piece only, not for growth, not even for growth of those dividends. So when you look at it, you're seeing something that's, that never moves, never does anything in your mind. It may even go down in price because maybe some of the distributions cut into the cost basis even. So you may have a losing position on something that's done extremely well. So be very, very careful with what you think you know, okay? And people don't understand the income story, the greatest story never told, and it, or rarely, because we tell it all the time.
So, but rarely in the world do they talk about stocks being the best income story there is. Okay? So here's what I think happens. Let me give you the visual. So we're at the bank, because we understand bank, and we understand, because we in third grade understand, if my bucket's bigger than your bucket, I get more interest. I get more income. I get more dividends, whatever you want to say. Okay? So I've got 100000 in my bucket, and your bucket went down to 90000 what do you mean? I mean, if you sold your bucket today, nobody's going to give you more than $90,000 for that bucket. Has zero to do with the dividends and interest you receive from stocks and bonds. Nothing. Okay, now just think about that for a minute. So visualize you're at the bank, it's a $100,000 bucket, a $90,000 bucket. I know I get paid more on the $100,000. That's absolutely true. And that's where we, our learning stopped when it came to the markets. Now, the other way I'm going to flip it on its head is to say in that bucket is now just simply we bought $100,000 worth of dividend-paying stocks and bonds, okay? And arbitrarily, and I mean arbitrarily because it's just a market. It doesn't mean it has any reflection of true value. The market goes down 10%. Your bucket is worth 90. And here's the, here's the real rub that drives people crazy, and I talked about this in the 10 Investment Commandments, Okay? Because last year we had a big market correction, so you have to go in and they take take a look at those companies. Nine out of the ten investment holdings in the portfolio were paying more. So the ninety thousand dollar bucket was paying more than the hundred thousand dollar bucket did a year before. Okay, because corporations tend to, as represented by the S and P five hundred, for the past fifty years, have increased their dividends, a compounded rate of 9%, three times the rate of inflation, the greatest income story people don't talk about. What do they talk about? What's my price? What do you think the market's going to do? What is the outlook for the at tech stocks? Blah, 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 blah. doesn't matter. That's the problem. So I have a bucket at the bank. You're correct. The bigger the bucket, you got it. You get more interest. When it comes to the market, now let me give you another example of why, and it might help you understand. So the value of your home just went down this past year, we're told. Is the, is the bank asking you or telling you you can reduce your payments? Right. I don't think we need the full 20 seconds for the final Jeopardy question. They did not. They didn't in 08 or 09. And the corporations, when they're losing money, do the bondholders get paid less? No. Unless they go bankrupt, whole other story, blah, 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 right? It's the same. So that bond that you held it, it, that's paying 5% is still paying 5 The stocks you hold, because they're making more money, more cash flow, or they just think it's a groovy idea, like 3M for 100 years, it won't be 101, by the way, years has raised their dividend. Procter & Gamble, the story I tell all the time, in 1970, paid one penny per share per quarter. It pays 80-plus cents per share per quarter today. Nothing has that kind of growth in income. Nothing except stocks. Johnson & Johnson, all these other, are serial dividend increasers. I didn't say a thing about Procter & Gamble's stock price because it's irrelevant. And we all know the stock price would have chased the income as well.
just like everything else. It's the same in, in, in rental, income, everything else. Price eventually catches up to increases in income. That's what the bucket is for dividends. And it's a big part in what you want to focus on most of all, in my not-so-humble opinion about this anyway, is that you want to focus on the dividend growers, not necessarily the high-dividend companies. Rarely. Rarely should you touch a company like Kim, Kinder Morgan because it pays way too much. you got to understand that company and why you own it because what that dividend tells you with that high price is that company is in danger. It's highly leveraged. It's paying out too much. It's about to cut its dividend. It's about to go out of business. All those things are possibilities, okay? And you just have to understand that that dividend, although Wall Street tries to keep it sacred, can be cut and it can be zero. You want the dividend growers, the ones that are paying low amounts out of their profitability, but they're raising it every year. That's strong cash flow. That's a big, big company. That's a strong company. Strong like bull. That's the companies you want. Okay? All right. We've got to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got much, mo much more. Hello. Welcome back, and uh, thanks again for joining us. Once again, if you have any comments, questions, about these quotes, podcasts, recordings, whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, again, Jennifer's going to be in here live next week, and, and then I'll be back live the next week after that. So it's not like we're not going to be doing live programs. We are and plan to, to indefinitely. We're just trying some new stuff, but we'd love to hear from you. And I know some of you have, and thank you for your comments about that. All right, let's, let's, let's keep rolling here. You know, sometimes you get these, these comments that I'm, I'm too old. You know, yeah, okay, so what, 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 that's always rolls back to this. I don't like the markets. I don't like what's happening. JoJo's an idiot. He's a bumbling fool. Whatever it is, this digital currency thing's got me going. I, uh, name it. Or political, I don't know how we come back from this. Debt's too big, whatever it is, right? So I just really want to buy gold, and I can't wait for the market to come back, okay? So it's really based on fear. Not that you really are too old that it can't come back. It's like this... It's really a market timing decision. So we've got to be honest with ourselves. Where is this really coming from? Is it really because you have thought, well, you know what? Now that I'm 85 years old, my health is starting to fade. I don't have that many more years. I think I should fundamentally become a little less risky. Well, you probably were doing that to some degree before. But when it's really just an income question, and it is for most people, or income slash whatever's left over, I'm glad to have an inheritance right, for the family, then that's the question. So what's changed about the fact that Procter & Gamble raises its income every year or this basket of stocks you have keeps going up on your income and it's more than enough to feed you? Why does price matter? I always think it comes back. I think it's a made-up thing. I don't think it's true. I just think it's made up because people are looking for an excuse to sell. That's what they're doing. That's what they did in 2008. I swear, this is honestly true. Oh, no, no, I didn't sell. I wasn't worried about it. I sold out to pay off my house. Yeah, you just use that as an excuse to get out. That's all. And you effectively crush your net worth and, and or your ability to retire on time, whatever it is, by taking it out and paying off your house. It was an excuse. And so people would do that. Yeah, I got to pay this off. And it's like, no, you're not thinking. You're, you're, you're reacting to fear. And I think that's exactly what this is. And it's not that people don't get more fearful when they get older. They do. They do. There's no question about it. You know, it really doesn't make any sense. You know, when you're 20 years old, you, 
jump out of airplanes and when you're 80 years old you're afraid of the stock market i mean it just it's just it doesn't make sense you got all this life you got not that much ahead of you and you're terrified of everything it's but it is the way god has wired us it just is and and i think part of that is also our lack of control we're not as strong as we were we're not our abilities have all deteriorated we don't think as well as we used to we can still have more wisdom without a doubt people get more wise as they get older they just don't get smarter they can get more wise, but they, they can't grab facts as much. It's harder to, to study for an exam, uh, even past the age of 25. It's much harder. We see that all the time with people coming in here trying to get their certified financial planner, uh, you know, pass the test. It's really hard. It's really hard to do as people get older. And so all of these things, you just kind of lose that. You lose your faculties. You're losing your health. It's easier to be more fearful of things, and you just aren't in command of your life the way you were. You're just not the stud that you were. You're not. And I think it weighs also in their whole thought process about investing. So let's not make excuses. Let's, let's try to find the real fundamental reason. Because the truth is, why would I pay a pile of taxes on some great holdings that continue to generate more income? In some cases, if, if you know, Procter & Gamble long enough, you're, you're getting paid more than you bought the stock every year than you paid for the stock in the first place. I mean, it's... Like, why would you ever sell that? I mean, you know, and then pay a, a mountain of taxes and then go hide it under your mattress because you think you're taking less risk. These are things that you really have to try to separate. What is the reasoning behind it? And a lot of times when it comes up for this, too, is when somebody sold off a property, you know, they're just really not using the cabin anymore. It's time to get rid of the McCall place. It's just because it's, it's actually a pain. I got to worry about it all the time. I don't use it much. And the families move back east, whatever it is. Right. And so. People sell property, and they got a big chunk of dough. And they look around and go, I don't know what I, I, I don't really think I should add it to my portfolio, you know, because there's like risk or whatever it is. Once again, it's just this thing that you have reached a point where you have a decision point, usually based out of fear, not out of what it is you're trying to do. When people say, what should I do with this chunk of money? Well, we should add it to your portfolio. Well, what do you mean? To your whole portfolio, what, to, to the govern, governance of your portfolio. What, what is the direction we're trying to go? Is it income? Is it more conservative? Is it growth? What is it? What do you, this is not a special chunk of money. It's your money. It all is money. It's fluid. It's, it can be here. It can be there. But it should be part of your portfolio. And that way it takes the pressure off. Because imagine the pressure of making the right decision with every basket of money that comes to your comes your way. You have to make the right decision. Well, that's like impossible to make the right decision. You're right, it is. Super hard to make a perfect decision with each different investment decision. So let it go. You make the big decision, you make the plan, and you put it together, and then you work the plan the rest of your life with alterations. Just work the plan. So what happened... 15 years ago, interest rates went to zero. Ah, well, we need a new plan. We need a new plan that does not include bonds that won't work. What's that new plan look like? Well, I don't know. We're going to have to come up with some more income-producing stocks. We're going to have to do some things that are over here. And I think we're just going to have to help our clients understand that price fluctuations are temporary and absolutely certain to occur and cannot be guessed, outgamed, or anything else. What we have to do is produce enough income. And if that means you're going to be owning stocks, that means you're going to be owning stocks because we can't produce it over here. 
You can't pat people on the head and pretend it's all going to be okay when it's not. And so that you safely run out of money. That's an absurdity. I, I, and we got to see that for like 15 years. It's, it's, you're going to safely run out of money owning 40% of your portfolio in bonds. There's nothing safe about that. That's just a guaranteed failure. We have to change and alter and think about the ground conditions, and that's all we have to do. You don't have to predict the future. Change and alter with the ground conditions, and you're not too old to play. You're not too old to play, and don't make that an excuse for your fear. Quit it. Just knock it off. Just don't do that. It's okay. I understand, and all we have to do is stop and understand ourselves. And, the, and I'm just going to say that's oftentimes why, and I know this is true, and I appreciate it very much that people listen to this program on a regular basis is to find some peace of thought rather than the angst of the world. I know, and I'm, I'm very happy about that, whether they're clients or not. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back after Fox News. Hello, and welcome back. All right, now, this is a... As you know, there's a, I, I have a real um, problem with people that have lack of disclosure in the industry, and, and I consider them to be not good individuals. And, and, and I don't just speak against products like equity indexed annuities for no reason at all. It certainly is something we can use and we can abuse, and that's what is out there. And we can have, even as I've said many times, putting uh, a quarter of our client money there. And, of course, you remember, as we talked about before, with them it's all or none. You should have all your money locked away. And, um, but a quarter of it is a $20 million payday, some stupid amount. It's actually more than that. It's $25 million, maybe more. Um, so I guess if we're just so stupid not to take that with such a product, it's so good, right? We just don't, don't understand it. And, 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 and so I, I want people to understand that I understand the fear that this drives people to do. And I'm thinking of an individual who, husband and wife, he just can't, he's so fearful, he, and he is. He's just constantly reading about the end of the world, and it's a constant thing. It's... It's, it's really, really sad. And, um, and, and they really are kind people. And they've been around for like 30 years, kind of in and out. Well, he finally put all of his in these equity index annuities. And, of course, just like everybody else, they totally regret it, but you can't get out of them. It's like they were in the other day. Well, can you take these over? Of course we can't. There's nothing we can do. And there's, you can't. You can't. You're trapped. You're totally trapped. And it's total garbage, and he's come to know that. But, but here's what is so interesting, because even in the annuity space, we were able to take an annuity for her and move it in with a buffer, a downside buffer, and so they were fully invested in the market where they need to be because it's just money for their kids. That's what's so weird about it. They're not taking any income off of it. And the price of that buffer... A 20% buffer over the next six years, meaning if the market goes down 20%, they lose nothing, right, was simply the dividends. And what they got was peace of mind of something they could do that they needed to do, and now they can let go of it, but not in a way that crushes them. 
locks them up. And the loss of dividends is real. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Thank you for that, Jennifer. She's here to help me when I make miss, miss things here. There's zero commission. So it's a neat thing. And they're, 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 these, are, these are fantastic things. And they're available all over the place now. They're available in ETF form. Okay, big word for exchange-traded funds. They trade every day on the, on the, on the exchange. And, and you know what the cost of trading ETFs is? You're right, zero. They're the same as a stock. They're the same as everything else. The cost now is zero. It's zero with Schwab. It was zero with TD. It's zero at E-Trade. It's zero. Oh, zero cost. Okay? You have no cost, and you can buy so many different things. They even have one now with unlimited downside protection. But most of them that are make sense, right, are the ones that go, well, I want 10% buffer down. Now, what does that give up? You give up the dividend. That's what buys that protection. But you know what's cool about it? If you change your mind, like tomorrow or like five minutes from now, boop, push the computer. Nobody says, oh, I'm sorry, there's a 10% withdrawal because you paid me 10% commission. None. It's a beautiful thing. And so they have 10% buffers. They've got, I know, just try to be different. I know one company does a lot of it does like 9%, right? Right, because they're, they're different. One of them is uh, 10%. And what it does is it does cap your upside. So if the market goes up 20%, you may not. There are times where you can because of volatility, I kind of get in the weeds here. But most of the time, it's going to have a 15% or so cap on it. Now, that means you don't get that upside when you have the giant year. For a lot of people who need some protection to even be in the game, that's okay. That's all right. It shouldn't be with all your money. The best thing to do, of course, is to own it. You get the dividends, and you go through the ups and downs, and everything's fine in the end. Okay? That's what mar make. Let markets work. They'll do their magic. But if you can't, you just can't wrap your mind around it, the ups and downs or what have you, you can have buffers all day long. And they're not free, but they don't trap you. And what I mean they're not free, you're not paying a commission, you can trade them, but they don't pay you the dividend. The dividend is the loss of, it's what's used to buy the protection. You can buy 15% protection. You can buy 25% protection. It's crazy. You can say, I don't like this one anymore because it doesn't have enough protection, right? Because maybe it went up. And then you sell it and you buy the next one. That day, that instant. Because they come out every single month in multiple factions from multiple billions of dollars is traded now with these buffers. It's beautiful. And it can allow people to be in that need to be in, to attain their goals. That This is just being left for the kids, but I drive myself crazy. I try to sell out, and I, ah, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about this. I get it. I get it. But it was some, uh, something, it, it, and behind all of those are real people, real human beings with real fussiness, right? They just can't give it up, hand it over, get the weight off their back. 
They just can't. And so having all of these products now is the beginning of the end of these ridiculously high-priced, high-commission, trapping people, horrible products, equity index annuities that are out there. It's the beginning of the end because people are going to hear that story. Okay? So if you have to have it, we only have a few tens of millions of dollars of those out there because some of them are really cool, and they're also called structured notes. They give some downside protection. We tend to buy them not for the downside protection, but the upside leverage. So it's, it's a timing thing for us. When markets are down, we like to jump on it. And I, I shared that story, I believe, last week or the week before, so I'm not going to uh, um, go into it again. But these, these stories are all, I think, help people understand. You know, I'm just going to call this the Browns story, but the Browns, for the first time in the 30 years we've known them, are at peace. They're just going to leave it alone, knowing that they have a buffer on the downside. This is for the, the kids anyway. They're not spending the money. And for the first time, they're not going to worry about it. Love it. I love it. I love it. And these products are out there. And uh, I just want people to know it. So if you can't do it, you just can't pull the trigger or whatever. And also, I just want to say to this too, uh, it, it, because before we take our final break, it is super important to understand how much innovation there is out there, how many things are changing, and how much cost has come down for the average investor. It's absolutely amazing, and it's going to keep coming down. Why? I think because of AI. Okay? They're, they're just – and so we're, the world is full of bad doctors, lawyers, advisors, okay? I think the bad ones are going to go away. They are. I think the good ones will stay for as long as I can see. But the bad ones are going to go away. And the sharks pitching uh, equity index annuities and gold and stuff like that, they're going to go away too because they got nothing. They got nothing. Now the world does all this stuff for free, available to the average investor for free. Okay? Why would I pay somebody? Why would I trap myself? I wouldn't. You don't have to anymore. Structured products like these, it's called structured notes, there's structured ETFs, are out there on the exchange and traded in billions of dollars, billions of dollars. They're not new even. They're just not that new. They're new-ish. Call it within the last four or five years. That's it. But it's a beautiful thing when people can dial in for such low cost and they can change their minds with no surrender charges. It's a beautiful thing. All right, we're going to take our final break, and we'll be right back. All right, let's wrap up our, for our last few minutes together here with some thoughts on why is it we invest? I mean, why? Why do you do it? Why do you invest? Yes, it works. It works better than anything else. You don't have – there's nothing even close to the rate of return to invest in the greatest corporations in the world, the S&P 500 which is, of course, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but the good is so good that it overwhelms the bad and the ugly. I mean, you think about that. You think about a market as being this monolithic thing, and, of course, it's not. It's made up of 500-ish companies, and those companies are giant or not quite as giant. They're the biggest, but there are still a lot of companies in there. And I know people will say, well, it's always – you know, it's basically skewed to the top 50 companies. Yeah, it is. 
Yeah, it's really the S&P 50. It's not the S&P 500. It is the S&P 50. And every year, it's like, well, it's only these six companies or these ten companies are driving the whole index. Uh-huh. Yeah. That happens all the time. And what you want to do also is understand this. When we say the bad, it means companies like General Motors, Ford. Not because they're in the news now. They're Because they're never in the news for doing anything new and, and innovative, right? It's been dead money for decades. And they're still around. Okay? Grocery business. Dead money for a long time. Retailers. Dead money for a long time. After usually a nice flash in the pan, have you seen Lulu pants? And then they, whatever, right? Because everybody loves Lulu pants. They spend too much money for the perfect, stretchy, breathy thing that they want to wear, right? Okay, but that's, okay, that's groovy. But in the end, it's pants, okay? And that's what they are. And so somebody else is going to make pants for less money or they're going to be even cooler. And that trend starts. And then Lulu fades away. I never thought anything could be sexier and better than Victoria's Secrets. Don't hear anything anymore, do you? Nothing. Because everybody makes sexy underwear now. That's it. It's, it was a thing for a long time, and now it's not. So retailers don't, are, are not durable either. They're just not. Airlines. Holy cow, what a terrible industry. Labor problems, fuel price problems, cyclical, finicky customers. Oh, my word. There's nothing they do that's easy. It's incredibly hard. And the airline business. So, so the S&P, the market, is full of companies like that. It's those few that hit a flipping home run. Owning Apple means you can own a whole pile, a bucket full of really bad choices that you finally get rid of. I can't believe I had that Beyond Meat. I thought that would be really good. I thought that the you, you, whatever company you own that you really hate, just sell the darn thing. Get it out of your portfolio and quit beating yourself about the head. We all have bad ones. All of us. All of us. The best thing to do is admit it and move on and understand and understand how fallible we are. And now I understand too, this too. I just told this story the other day maybe yesterday, about remembering coming in to Jennifer Stone's office and telling her one day, it was a Wednesday, how crappy the market was. It was just trading miserably, and I wouldn't be surprised at all, blah, 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 if it, in fact, you know, just kind of basically crashed, you know, went down a lot, so crummy. <sighs> Probably huffed off that afternoon. Well, Friday came. And I'm sitting in my easy chair, having a beer, watching whatever. I can't even remember what it was. And it just go, boop. I remembered having that conversation. 1,200 points ago. Because Thursday and Friday, the market went up 700 points and 500 points again on Friday. How right I was about how bad that market was. Here's the point. I don't have to. I didn't do anything. Because I was grumbling about the market, didn't mean I went in and sold anything or failed to buy. It's just grumbling. And how often we're wrong about the future. We don't have to predict the future. It's the ground conditions. Just react to what's going on. 
If interest rates are zero, don't buy bonds. End of story. Find other solutions. Don't predict what the market's going to do. Well, we'll wait to hear, and I'll dive in then, and, and then you'll find yourself wrapped in a knot, analysis to paralysis, and you won't go, get, get rich over time. This is the easiest thing in the whole wide world to do, is just buy great companies. Most of them won't work. Most of them aren't great companies. But the great ones, since the iPhone came out, are up over 40-fold. How many companies do I have to get right if, they, if I have multi-baggers like Google, Amazon, even Netflix? You know, even though everybody's chasing after them, that stock's way up still, way up. And, 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 and when people write off companies like Tesla, which is a great innovator and really a battery company and a technology company in the first place, it's not an automobile manufacturer. It most certainly isn't. When they do that and write them off and miss opportunities like a 70% sell-off, it's crazy. It's crazy. All we have to do really is to get our heads about us. You say, I, well, I don't own any of those. We had a chance just even less than a year ago to own them all, more than 25% up to 70% off. But you didn't. And the world told you what? Not to own them. Learn. Don't, don't beat yourself up about it, but learn from it. Whenever great companies go fall, own them. Just go buy them. Don't worry about the next 5%. You want, you want to catch the next 100%. And that's always up. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks for joining us.